and it hits me, oh my gosh, this is that triangle. You know, there's explanation for everything that occurred in the Rendlesham Forest incident that doesn't involve aliens at all. It was completely silent. It comes right over our heads. He saw a classic flying saucer really standing in the clearing. He turned over to my father and held his hand and he looked in his eyes and he said, we're not alone. Hey, hello, everyone. This is Martin Willis, your host. And if you're hearing this, you're listening to the audio podcast. First of all, I do appreciate every single listener. And if you support the show now, I want to thank you very much. And I apologize that you actually have to listen to this. If you listen to a lot of podcasts out there, you'll know that there's a lot of podcasts that run ads. And I do get approached all the time to run ads. And when I started this almost 12 years ago, I vowed not to do that. But I do need your help as the show is quite costly. Some of the expenses are bandwidth use, website maintenance, graphics, blogs, audio blogs. And of course, sometimes there's travel expenses. I'd like to do more of that, go to conferences, things like that. If you can help us out for $2 or more a month, uh, you'll see the Patreon link in the text below. I would appreciate it very much. Thanks. And I hope you enjoy today's show. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Martin Willis, your host, and we have another great evening uh, with a guest from the UK, and he's going to be talking about his book, and he was on a long time ago, and I just remembered that when I was having the conversation with him tonight. So uh, a couple of things. You may uh, be expecting that we're going to have this military whistleblower person that I mentioned last week, and due to logistics, what's going on with his work situation, we weren't able to uh, obviously do it tonight. And uh, it may possibly be in August, but most likely it's going to be in September. So stay tuned for that. So this morning, uh, I have a couple of announcements this morning. I got up and right away I see an email from my friend over in Portugal, Chris uh, Lido, uh, the Lido Files YouTube channel on uh, UAP, the work, great work he does. And I saw that he's going to Washington, D.C. So for the hearing next week, I mean, there's so much going on. So next week on the 26th. So I thought, well, if he is in Portugal and he's going and I'm in the United States, why aren't I going? So I'm going to be going. Uh, my producer and I are headed that way as unless something goes wrong, we're going to be there next week. And I'm going to run a Tuesday night show from Washington, D.C. somehow. And so I'm not really sure exactly how that's going to go. The hearing is on Wednesday, and I hope to get some interviews with some people uh, at the hearing itself. So Tuesday, the worst case scenario, Tuesday, it'll be Chris and I in some uh, hotel lobby somewhere, and we'll be doing a live show from Washington, D.C. Um, otherwise, uh, there may be other people joining us. We'll see how that works out, hopefully. It should be an interesting show. So our blog this week is uh, from Charles Lear. Is, uh, the title of it is John Keel Investigates a Landing and a Creature Report in Erie, Pennsylvania. Great work, as always, by uh, Charles Lear. He's the author of The Flying Saucer Investigators. So our guest this evening is Paul Askoff, and he is uh, an author. He's a longtime ufologist. Like I said, he was on before one time. I think he's been looking at this topic for nearly 50 years or something like that. And I'm bringing him in right now. Hello, Paul. Welcome. Hi, Martin, and thank you for having me back. 
Oh, great. Well, we sound, it sounds like a little bit. Your audio was fine just a couple of minutes ago, but it sounds a little iffy. So, uh, oh. yeah. So I need you to unplug. I need you to unplug your mic now and just use uh, the mic on the unit itself. It's. Yeah, that's what I've got. Yep. So, uh, yeah, go ahead and unplug that. And. Okay. Can you hear me okay now? Uh, we're still having trouble. I think what we're going to have to do is have you. Step, uh, go out and sign back in. Try it. Go ahead and plug that thing back in and sign out. And I'm not sure what what happened in a matter of a few minutes. But, uh, yeah, everything we were uh, working uh, 15 minutes ago, everything was fine. Let's try it again. How are you? Right. Okay. I'm good here. Nope. You're going to have to sign out. You're going to have to sign out of StreamYard and come right back in. Okay. And Just so, uh, yep. And so I apologize. Uh, sometimes things are beyond my control when it comes to technology. I do get teased about that a little bit here and there. But uh, uh, so we're going to have him try to uh, reset his computer and come back in. Hopefully everything will be fine. And so while I'm waiting, does anyone, uh, let's see, in chat, we have a number of people here. If uh, anyone would like to pose a question or your thoughts on uh, the upcoming hearing. Hearing it sounds uh, to me. This is my opinion of what's going on lately. Um, I've been doing the show. It's coming up on twelve years now, and this is my five hundred and sixty-sixth episode. And I think this is the most exciting time of that I've ever seen in this in the last twelve years. And people are saying. Uh, that this could actually be a change. And I, I feel that is a very strong possibility right now with everything going on. And the, the whistleblowers seem to be heading toward coming forward. There are a number of people who are. Uh, again, I mentioned that the person that I was supposed to have on tonight, he can't do it for logistics reasons for work. So he will be, um, he will be back uh, I mean, he's going to be with us, hopefully, in uh, most likely September. Okay, here's Paul again. Let's go to try the audio. Hello. Hey, Hi, Martin. Can you hear me okay this time? It's fine. Whatever you did before, don't do it again. Right. <laughs> no, no, I'm sure nothing. <laughs> it's just one of those things. But welcome to the show. Thank you for uh, re rebooting. And Thank uh, you for having me. You bet. And uh, I know it's uh, after midnight where you're at. So... If you would, uh, can you tell the audience uh, who you are and how you got interested in the UFO topic? Okay. My name is Paul Askoff. I've been into UFOs for over 50 years. I've just written my own book, and I got into the subject by actually witnessing two UFOs uh, when I was with, when I was a much younger, a child with my brother and my father. Oh, yeah. And... And so what year, how old was that? How old were you I, then? I was 11 years old. Uh-huh. Do you want me to tell the story, Martin? Yeah, yeah, sure. Go right ahead. Okay. Yeah. Uh, very, very briefly, what happened was uh, my father was very, very strict. I'm not saying he was cruel or anything, but very strict. And you did as you were told as a child then. I'm going back. We were just moved to a new home. It was 1968 in September. And... We moved next to an old guy, an old war veteran who'd only got one lung. My father had dogs and our neighbor had dogs. And as young children, our last job of the day, take the dogs for a long walk, 
put everything away, say goodnight to mum and dad, go to bed. That was the routine. We'd put the dogs away. My father was in the front garden and our home was on the edge of a small village, very rural location, and you literally walked over the track at the front of our home and into fields for miles. So you could see a long way, pretty flat terrain. Uh, my father was in the garden and we were looking due east, our house, the front of the home faced due east. And the looking to the north, the sky was completely covered in cloud. And to the south, it was completely clear. Now, my father had a telescope. He wasn't uh, an astronomer or anything. He just had an interest and liked to involve the children like parents do. So it was just getting dusk. Now, we've got to think this is 1968. So there was no police helicopters. There were no news helicopters, no ambulance helicopters. Even the air traffic was much less than it is now, especially in rural England. And as he's pointing out a constellation to us in the sky, two UFOs came out of this bank of cloud very fast and then just stopped dead. If you can imagine like a, a V formation uh, moving out, but one was missing. So one was slightly to one side and slightly behind the other. Uh, I would say probably at arm's length the size of a dime. So they were quite large, really. Uh, and there was no discernible shape other than they were perfectly spherical. They were like balls of pearly white light. Hmm. Moving fast and then they stopped dead. As they stopped, the one that was nearest to the cloud you could actually see the light from it reflecting off the surface of the cloud. And as they stopped, I quite clearly got a voice in my head that said, oops, we hadn't meant to have been seen. Now, there was no, what can I say? My father didn't hear it and my brother didn't hear it, but I got it. All I can say is it sounded like a, friendly masculine voice but that was the impression that i got i didn't hear anything else and there was still for a few seconds while there was still there was no apparent rotation no flashing lights nothing apparently joining them together they were just perfectly still and then all of a sudden they were moving very fast away from us no acceleration no noise but the one thing that did change was as they moved this very small, uh, like a teardrop, uh, appeared at the back. It was almost like there was an atmosphere around them that was hmm. sloughing off at the back. And, the, and they remained like that until they moved out of sight, directly away from us. Actually, it was towards a coal-fired power station moving due east. Uh, so it maybe only had them in sight for a minute at the very most. And the three of us were sat there. As you can imagine, mouths agape, looking at the sky. And my father was the first to speak, and he did his national service with our RAF. Uh, and he just said, well, there's nothing we've got that can do that. And that was what got me into it. It was the how bizarre it was, the odd movements. Everything was so, again, for want of a better term, everything was so alien it was obvious that it wasn't terrestrial. It was obvious that it was something far beyond our normal scope. Uh, and immediately, I wanted to know the nuts and bolts, how something could move like that, 
how something could appear like that and how come I didn't know about it? Why wasn't it on the news? Because it was obviously blatantly in sight for anybody who was looking to see. Why, why didn't I know? Why isn't it in the newspapers? And that was what got me hooked. That was it. Right. You know, that is that is something a lot of people that see a UFO, I am, they, they wonder why it's not, you know, like they know that other people have seen it. Now, I have a, a friend that uh, he's an appraiser, antiques appraiser, and we worked together um, in Atlanta several years ago. And I told him that I was doing a show on UFOs. And he said to me, oh, well, you know, I, I have a story. And I, so his story basically was he was having a barbecue out on his deck. This is in Toronto. And they were all, there was said about 20 people. They were all out on the deck and they heard an afterburner. You know, I mean, they, this jet like speeding really fast yeah. or there were a couple of jets speeding really fast. And, and right in front of them, going about the same speed was, or a little faster, and then it shot off, I guess, was a disc, you know, just a perfect shaped disc. Mm. And he, he said he kept looking for days in the newspaper and couldn't understand why, you know, he said there had to be thousands of people that saw it and why it never yeah. made the newspaper. That's often times that happens, but every once in yeah. a while, you know, there will be, um, there'll be so many people calling in about it, you know, calling a police station about it and, Reporters listen to the police scanners and it ends up getting in, you know, a paper or two. Yeah. So, yeah. So you said uh, you said before we went live that you've had about 25 or so sightings in your life. Yeah. Which is quite amazing. You know, a, a lot of people, when I talk to them in the UK, they say things, well, you know, it rains a lot here. So we don't see as many <laughs> sightings as uh, other people may. But uh, yeah. I get, guess you've been in the right place at the right time. Would you call your area, uh, a place where a lot of people see something? I'm not sure that it is, but I think it's another thing. It's uh, it's like, if you can imagine working on a, a spiritual level, it's something I think that people naturally have a, uh, a, a they're tuned into it, if you like. There, there is, I mean, there's the other side of it that I'm always looking at the sky. So as soon as I'm outside, I'm like this looking around. So it's being aware of it, which a lot of people nowadays are like this looking downwards. That's true. I say that uh, too. Yeah. Yeah. And they just don't look at the sky. And I think I'm, I'm not saying I, I'm sort of any better or any worse than anybody else. I think I'm more aware of it than a lot of people. And I know that there are UFO hotspots around the place, uh, in the US as well as in the UK, well, all over the world for that matter. And I don't think this, where I am now, I'm right in the centre of the country, just south of Leeds city centre, if any of your listeners know where Leeds, Leeds is. Uh, we're about four miles as the crow flies due south of the city centre, so we're in quite a rural area, really. Uh, but uh, it's... I've managed to capture on uh, with the camera. I had six or seven sightings, and I've managed to video one of them. But also, now this is something going back to what you just hinted on earlier. There are occasions where 
one of the better sightings I saw here, one of our neighbours, and I've got this story in the book, one of our neighbours had just had a little baby boy, so they come round, nice summer's evening, well, summer's afternoon, so all the, all the ladies come round and they're all sat in the, our back garden having a cup of tea, cooing over this new little baby boy. I'm trying to entertain his younger brother, on the like looking at aeroplanes, looking at birds, playing football on the lawn, and we're actually laid on the grass, and I noticed a flash in the sky, and this was like the uh, strictly come dancing glitter ball that just suddenly appeared. So I got everybody. There were five adults, two children, and between us, we had it in sight for I would say a good five minutes. It was stationary, then slowly came towards us, and then it moved off to the west. And out of the five of us, we had five cell phones, we had two iPads, and nobody thought to pick up and take a picture or record anything. And it was only afterwards, it was like, why didn't I take a picture? I totally get that, and I, we're going to have to work on your mic again. But I totally get that because um, when I had my UFO sighting, if I had my camera right with me, which at the time, 2007, I don't even think I had a, a camera on my phone. I don't believe I did. But uh, if I had that right next to me, I was so captured in the moment that I yeah. it would be the last thing. But now I'm ready. <laughs> I had uh, yeah. what I thought I, I showed here a couple of times, a, a UFO, uh, what I thought was a UFO uh, sighting back, uh, I think it was, a boy, the way time flies, it's awful hard to tell, but I think it was like a year, uh, nope, I don't have it, I don't think I have it here anymore, uh, yeah, yes, I do have it, I'm going to show it, because what I'm going to have to ask you to do is, I'm going to have to ask you to reboot one more time, but this time, unplug your microphone and leave that off, and we'll use the microphone on your iPad, okay? Okay. So, so why don't you go ahead and do that? So, I'll do that. And um, I'll set this up. Um, so what I, uh, as I was saying, you know, I'm ready now, you know, and I always say at the end of my shows, keep your eyes to the sky. So uh, I'm, I'm ready. I'm walking along. This was, uh, I believe it was over a year and a half ago. I, uh, it was possibly September of 2021, but I'm not sure. Again, the way time flies, it's hard to say. So I was walking from a restaurant to my home and all of a sudden I saw this light appear and I grabbed my phone right away. It was extremely windy and I wasn't thinking it was a drone because it was so windy, but Mark D'Antonio uh, thought it was most likely a drone, but here it is right here. So anyway, there's that clip and uh, I sent it to Mark D'Antonio. He thought it was most likely a drone. High winds, I walked over to uh, there was a, it was right by the water and I walked over and there was a field, but I didn't see anyone. So I don't know where it would have landed. But anyway, um, I, for those of you that are watching the video, I hope you think it's an interesting little clip. All right. We're going to try you now. You're back again. Hi, Martin. Can you hear me? Okay. I can hear you. Yes. And, um, I'm wondering if Bill, uh, at KGRA can at least boost the audio for you a little bit. Uh, but uh, yeah, try to, if you can, why don't you get a little bit closer or speak a little bit louder one or the other, if you yeah, can. Yeah, that's, uh, that's no problem. Yeah, okay. okay. So I know we're in the middle of you, you know, you're talking about 
the different UFO uh, encounters that you've had over the year. And I don't know if there's, is there one that, you know, we'll get into talking about your book and things like that, but is there one in particular that you would say was the most incredible one of them all? Well, after the first one, well, I got the voice in my head. Uh, and I think what happens with uh, things like that is it, it affects people because you know that it's it's odd, that that shouldn't be happening. To, well, not it shouldn't be happening to our normal physics. But we had a recent one too, uh, September. Yeah, could you speak a little bit louder? Try to. Yeah. Sure, yeah, no problem. In September 21, I think I put it in the book anyway, and there was where we live, we live in the top of a small cul-de-sac, and it was nice summer's evening, all the families were out, the children were playing, and what had happened was two, as you imagine, we were in lockdown or we're just coming out of lockdown. So where we are in the centre of England, a lot of aircraft fly over the top of us from like Germany, France, Holland, going over the pond to you guys. So we used to seeing these flight paths going over us and two aircraft were almost side by side going along. And that's what got me attention. We hadn't had much aircraft, then suddenly there were two together. But behind the aircraft and behind the small contrail they were leaving was a very bright, intensely bright, uh, bluey-white spot, like a bright star. But it was the middle, sort of tea time, you know, like five, six o'clock in the evening, beautiful blue skies. And it was like, I shouldn't be able to see that. Why is that there? So looked on the aircraft app, nothing, just the two that had just gone, nothing else. They, you know, it wasn't Venus or Mars or anything like that. So the neighbours came over, got my binoculars out. And when you looked at it, it, it stayed probably 70, 80 degrees above the horizon, looking in an easterly southeast from our position. It moved really, really slowly to maybe 80 degrees towards us and then was stationary again. Now, to the naked eye, it was just a, a ball. It was just a brilliant point of light. But when you looked at it through binoculars, it was like a donut shape, like a ring on its end. Now, I've got several pairs of binoculars and we had it in sight for about 40 minutes. So in the end, there was eight adults, four children, uh, all uh, five children all saw this. I even had time to get the reclining chairs out of the garage we were at the side of because I've got some... Me my old faithfuls, uh, I've got a pair of Carl Zeiss 10b50 binoculars, which I use for everything. But I've got mm -hmm. some uh, Celestron 25b70s, but they're quite heavy. So I usually have them on a, a tripod or something. But it was nice to be able to get on the reclining chair to support them and look through that. And when you look through those, you could actually see the donut end on but there were lots of what I would call smaller orbs around it that were flickering, that were coming in and going out, uh, moving about, some of them really fast. And they left like a, an after image behind them. And it was really odd. And there was, I would say, three of us adults saw this. 
uh, and I, I took half a dozen pictures uh, and I put those to right towards the end in the book. Uh, it just fitted in nicely. So they're all the pictures that I took are all in the book too. Now, what, what do you mean by like an after image? When, if you look at something bright, that's a brighter light, and then look at something plain or a wall, you can see the after image on your retina, so you get like a contrasting color. And you could see that behind this, when these there was like these brilliant tiny points of light dancing around the donut, if you want to call it that. But it, it left like an after image on your on your retina, like like you could see. Oh, I see. Uh, yeah, yeah, like a shadow almost behind it. Wow, wow, interesting. And uh, besides your book covering this, you do you do cover a lot of other things like the possibility, you know, like the possibility of uh, how religions may take a look at this topic. Um, do you, at this point, you know, I know you wrote this, the first edition, and then you revised it. Um, do you feel that that way basically now, or do you feel like we're in a different position than we were as far as uh, religions go in this topic? I, well, personally, um, I believe that religion is completely man-made yeah. and for and it's man's interpretation of that. Now I'm not saying it's not good to follow your uh, good ethics, good morals, be kind to people and that's how we should work. But the problem is that nearly all religions have been done as a business. And I believe that's what, uh, at the time, the biggest, uh, like Roman Catholicism, the, the Romans were in decline, Christianity was on the rise, and it was just a way of making money. Uh, yeah. Um, all right. Well, I, I understand that. And I'm, fortunately, we have uh, static again. I'm not really sure understanding what is going on. And I'm going to ask you, do you have another device besides your iPod, or is that the only thing you can do a show on? It's, I don't, um, do you have an iPhone connected to the Internet? No. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what to say. Otherwise, um, it seems like uh, you can plug your mic back in and do another reboot, but it uh, seems like we may be doing this a little bit. And uh, we can understand what you're saying. It's just static coming through. And I'm not sure exactly. It didn't happen the whole 15 minutes that you were on prior to the show and what the difference is. I have no idea. But if you don't mind, uh, you know, it's probably a good idea to reboot or whatever you're doing or a step out of uh, maybe maybe it would be a good idea to reboot your iPad totally and uh, restart it. Yeah. I and think it may just be the the signal, possibly the Wi-Fi, something like that. Are you are you close to? And I'm sorry, everyone, for this being live while I'm doing this. But are you near your router? Uh, well, it's just sort of where it always is at the. It's maybe 15 feet away. Okay, so you're close enough. All right. So why don't you uh, try rebooting? And uh, uh, I think that uh you know we'll just be here waiting for you again <laughs> and does anyone have any uh questions uh if you do please uh put them in the chat now we are uh we're going to 
uh, try to get this straightened out if we can. Do you want to try that now and see if it changed any? Yeah, we're just going to try that, see if that was any better yeah, for you, Martin. It, yeah, it's still static now. Oh, yeah, okay, um, that's good. Unfor unfortunately, you're going to have to uh, jump out, come back in again. So it's still not working? It's still working. It works the way we can understand you. It's just there's a lot of static. So oh, okay. Fine. Yeah. I'll go out. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. So um, let's see. I guess I'll ask this of you people uh, that are uh, watching this show live again. I apologize for this happening. And sometimes it's just unavoidable, unavoidable when things like this happen. Um, so I guess what I will ask you in chat, if you have any thoughts about this upcoming hearing, uh, good, bad, or do you think it's going to, uh, well, Dave, I know my audio is fine, but it's the guest itself. Yes, there's some static. Um, yeah, someone's asking if there's solar flare activity. That's probably, that could be, a, that's funny. Um, but uh, I, I'm thinking that things just seem like they are going to be changing. I just have that feeling. Now, I may be wrong. I've had my hopes up before in the past. And I wish we had uh, open lines. Um, I'm wondering if there's a way I could... Uh, run a call here. It's uh, the only thing about running a call here is, uh, well, I could always edit out this phone number. And uh, all right. Well, you can go for a while anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we'll see how far we can get this time. Yeah. But uh, thank you again, everyone, for your patience. And uh, we'll see how far we can get this time before there's any static. And you know you got to forgive me. I forget exactly where we were at when you, uh, if you remember. I'm not. I don't. Yeah, we were talking about the amount of sightings that I've had, and the different areas geologically around the world, uh, yeah, and where they're located. And I think there's a lot of these uh, different. They, they call it like the Welsh Triangle and the Skinwalker Ranch. They put these these attach these labels to them and i often think that they're not really triangular they just it's a it's a convenient way of doing things you know um skinwalker ranch is obviously quite famous but there are many many more around and i believe that these are like magnetic anomalies magnetic anomalies that are worldwide and it what it does is it affects the electromagnetic spectrum that we normally deal with and that's when you get these little uh, pockets of, if you like, uh, strangeness, where you get high uh, incidence of UFOs, uh, poltergeist phenomenon, maybe, dogman, cryptids, all, all that. There's a whole boatload of things. Yeah, you know, there's, there's all kinds of speculation with why these things are in the areas they are. I know like the Heseldon lights for one, I think there's some type of geological situation there yeah. that may attract. I've had um, Irwin, I believe his name is that uh, the scientist that's there, Erling, I think I can't remember his yeah. name right, right, right off the bat. Um, he's been on this show before talking about that, but there are, you know, there is such a, it's such a marvel what these things could possibly be. And, and, and what they are exactly, we still have no clue at all. You know, interdimensional is not out of the question for one, well, when it comes to 
all these things, you know. So Yeah, that's what I believe they are, Martin. I think if we go back to our normal electromagnetic spectrum, that's ordinary matter that we deal with on a daily basis. The actual acoustic spectrum and visible spectrum that we see and hear and interact with is less than one-tenth of one percent of our electromagnetic spectrum. So mm. you've got you've got the radio waves, the lower energy and the longer waves at one end, the visible light in the middle, and then it goes up through ultraviolet x-rays and gamma rays and the higher energy and shorter wavelengths. And that's what we know about. I believe that this dark energy and dark matter that cosmologists are now saying make up the vast majority of the universe that we deal with. And I think this is precisely what ET understands completely. And they understand the dark energy, the dark matter, as well as our ordinary matter. And that's why you get this crossover and why we get this where we can't measure it, but they do. And going back to these geographical areas, yes, there are things happen like at Skinwalker Ranch and these other places. And there's a lot of UFO seen. And I believe because, I'll use the phrase ET, because ET understands it, and can control it and manipulate it, they use these areas, if you like, if you want to call them portals, and they use these portals portals moving from one dimension, which is one frequency, to another. It just happens to go through our ordinary matter. It goes through our electromagnetic spectrum. And that is why we see and experience what we do. Well, it's that's definitely a very good theory as good as any i've ever heard you know and uh, you know everything is about vibration right you know, you know really is uh, here's a here's a someone just posed this question do they seem to have more sightings in the day and night and that's pretty easy to answer there's more sightings at night because there's a lot of lights in the sky that people um will report so yeah. i i do believe it's much more sightings during the evening and um yeah. you know and i encourage anyone uh, i get a lot of uh, email from people that are just starting to look into this topic so um i encourage anyone to ask those type of questions yeah can i just go on from that because oh no, sure think, yeah go right ahead if you if you think about it logically most of our business the business world is done during our normal office hours and daylight hours and we're being biurnal that we are we sleep at night and it's natural that our energy is lower and people sleep so during the night there's a lot less electromagnetic interference mm. so not only is there a lot less noise if you like and the electromagnetic spectrum we are also much more open to something else that may happen and i think that's why we get a lot more sightings at night for specifically for those two reasons yeah i'm hearing static to come static is started to come back and i have uh well we'll, we'll carry on and and just um and just see what happens but um i'm just looking for questions if anyone has questions for a guest please put them in all caps and i'll get them uh to ask him up on the screen um so um, 
I do believe, as you said, you know, the, the, the dimensional thing is a very good possibility. And I remember I had, uh, Paul Eno has been on this show a few times. He yeah. runs a radio station out of uh, Rhode Island and, uh, he, he's been doing like mostly a paranormal type show for many, many years. And he's been, uh, he visited at my, uh, uh, when I had a, a guest house, he stayed in that for a while and stuff like that. So um, his idea of all the paranormal things, that's how he explained them all was interdimensional. Ghosts, yeah. UFOs, Bigfoot, cryptids, the whole yeah. shebang, everything. And is that, yeah. am I getting that's more or less what your, your feeling is as well? Yeah, absolutely. Everything is energy. So everything has its own frequency including you and I, your listeners, but the computer you sat in front of. So everything reacts to everything else. So this is why our thoughts even, uh, I mean, nowadays we're just sort of scratching the surface of this, where we can do ECGs on the heart, we can do EEGs, electroencephalography on the brain. And they're able to look at the different patterns and waves but we don't fully understand it all. Now, you imagine, I'll, I'll, I'll still use the term ET, who might be 10,000 years in front of us. So to, for somebody that could be that far advanced and understands that and is able to interpret that, because we, each person is unique, your frequency is like a fingerprint and everybody's different. And this is why they can pick up on our thoughts. This is why they can pick up on what we're sort of experiencing, where we are. This is like the screen memories that people have, the abductees. Because they know what we can do, because they know what we're thinking. And again, going back to the first sighting that I had, or one of the sightings that I had, is this why... Uh, why some people remember things differently. Is this why we didn't take a picture? Why nobody thought to take a picture? And so there's all these different things that we can't prove it, but that would explain why we see and experience what we do. Well, you know, uh, we've only got, um, I don't know, another, uh, let's see, what do we have here? We've got another 10 or 12 minutes here. We're going to, we're going to move, keep, Moving on here with your static, your static is uh, is happening. But I, I think um, instead of rebooting, that we're just going to continue on here. And um, so, uh, so there's a lot of talk about disclosure. People think that we're close to it. And even in what Chuck Schumer wrote recently, said um, that it was a controlled disclosure, which I thought was very interesting wording. So uh, this person here wants to say, what would force the issue of disclosure? Just your thoughts from the UK. And do you think that they know enough to disclose? I, well, I, yeah, I think that uh, we will get this drip feed of disclosure. You'll, you'll never find out about Roswell. You'll never find out about Rendlesham Forest. You'll never find out about a lot of these things. Uh, historically, if you imagine a government, any government, admitting that they had no control, 
that they, they, they couldn't do anything about it and that yeah. they've been keeping the secret from us. So I think what they're doing now, it was the same with the ATIP report two, three years ago, and it's the same with this. And I think we're getting this drip feed of disclosure where ET, UFOs and aliens in general have been drip fed into society to make it more acceptable and I think we'll get the same with this disclosure. Uh, and I don't think it'll be a one-off thing. I don't think it'll be a sudden thing. I think it will be a gradual process until it's, it becomes publicly acceptable completely, if you like. Uh, someone says, are you, are you aware that that bill specifically states in a plan for controlled disclosure? Yes, that's what I, uh, that's what I heard, yeah. which is very interesting. And I'm going to, before I do my trip to Washington, D.C., I'm going to try to find out as much information as I can so I'm prepared to talk to people there, which is pretty exciting. So I um, wanted to bring this, your your book back here. We have this picture here, and that's the one that you yeah. took uh, that you were talking yeah. about earlier? Yeah, that's the one where there were eight adults and five children. So I, what it did was it moved slowly towards us till it was about 80 degrees above the horizon, was stationary, and then it started moving very slowly to the north, like it moved direction 90 degrees, but really slowly. Yep, and that was, you can just see the tiny spot there. That's that's my neighbor's gutter, <laughs> a two-story home, yeah. and you could just see. But those were others, and now you can just see on those where I've tried to zoom in, but even then, and this is something that I believe happens with a lot of uh, people trying to get pictures of UFOs, is because we're not seeing the whole picture. We're not, because the UFO itself is able to use the electromagnetic frequency around it, so we only see that part of it that's within our visible spectrum. And that's why you don't get good, clear pictures of it. Even, hmm. go on, sorry, Martin. No, no. Uh, to me, that looks like the. It looks like a balloon. Doesn't look like a balloon to you. I mean, was that a possibility? No. <laughs> and why? And why? Why would you say not? Be, a because it was intensely bright. It was incredibly far away. It was. I mean, normally aircraft from the continent fly over us at like thirty-six, thirty-eight, even forty thousand feet. And it was behind those. So wherever it was, it was much higher than that. And well, then this also, is the, um, I was underneath the Chinese balloon. And yeah. that's what, it, uh, when that when they shot it, I uh, people that listen to the show all the time know uh, that, as I talked about it, that I was right underneath the balloon. And here's uh, some pictures right here as the jet's coming along and actually shoots yeah. it. And you can see it's starting to fall. So that was uh, this was 60,000 feet when I took the picture from my iPhone. Mm -hmm. yeah. And um, there is a similar, I'm just pointing out, there is, to me, there's a similarity between... Oh, there is, yeah. But What you the, have here. Yeah, but and, the thing was, yeah, when you look through the binoculars, it wasn't uh, like a round balloon, it was a circle, it, it was a, like a donut shape. But the other thing, there you go, you can see, that was how it appeared. Oh, is that is that it close up? Yeah. Oh, okay. So I changed my whole thought pattern now. No, you <laughs> because see, you of see, this is uh, definitely an yeah. oval. It was a vertical oval. Yeah. 
uh, and looking at it through the binoculars, that's what you could see. Now, it wasn't grey like that. It was brilliant white. But the thing was, uh, I have a telescope, and I was trying to set the telescope up so that we could observe it better. And literally, as I did that, uh, my wife and one of my neighbours, it suddenly speeded up and zoomed off to the north. So... Well, yeah, I mean, if it has a reaction like that, if it's moving fast, yeah. then obviously it's not a balloon. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's and, interesting. And that was with witnesses as well. So, oh, this is the one where you had all the, all those people. Yeah. 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 Well, that's, that's pretty fascinating. And yeah, um, I can't believe that so many things have happened to you. And there's, uh, there's proof right there that you do actually get sunny days there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's the, the weather's. I have to say, just recently for us has been terrible, but it's uh, it, it's just something that we live with, and I'm sure there are areas where you are that uh, that get high rainfall as well. <laughs> yeah, up north here on the east coast, yeah, yeah there's a lot of terrible uh, flooding and rains. Yes, yeah. a lot, a lot. Yeah. So uh, in this book, are you is this are you done for writing books, or do you think you may write, write something else? You have something in the works. Well, the the thing is, I over reading other books. I mean, I've read hundreds of books, like Jacques Vallee, Jenny Randall's. I was sort of brought up on those. Even the old Project Blue book and Donald Kehoe. Yeah, th those were the books I started reading, and then modern day now. We're getting a lot more uh, worldwide people that are doing independent research, which is wonderful. But nothing's changed my mind. Uh, and I think, I, like going back to what you said in, earlier with Paulino and the paranormal thing, I do believe that they're all connected through the electromagnetic spectrum. You get very similar reactions you get very similar experiences people that are frightened people that are terrified whether it's cryptids whether it's paranormal or ufos it's the same reaction and it's because it's the same uh that part of that frequency and that's why you get that so nothing's changed my mind and i think over time i'm getting more corroborative evidence than than you know contradictory evidence but the other thing is what i tried to do was just put more explanations in and and also more sightings i put a few more sightings in just to help people grasp what i was trying to get over because i think a lot of and, and nothing against it but a lot of investigators and a lot of authors tend to write about a small part of the pie one piece of the pizza rather than looking at the whole pizza, rather than looking at the whole picture. So what I tried to do, and I'm not saying I've got it all by any stretch of the imagination, but it's a way of explaining the, a bigger picture rather than just pieces of the puzzle. I was uh, speaking with my producer just yesterday, I believe it was, and I was thinking of all the uh, paranormal things that you know people witness. And I've had some things I've called a poltergeist, whatever you want to call it. I had a situation that happened several years ago. Um, but of all of them, the UFO and possibly being visited by extraterrestrial almost makes more sense than the others because we are this, you know, blue marble floating 
in the universe um, with so many unknown things that yeah. could actually reach us in so many different you know possible ways that we don't understand. Um, so um, you know I I sometimes don't think that UFOs should be part of the paranormal, you know, because they're they are witnessed there, uh, you know, and it just seems that they're more viable than some of the other things that are, you know, pop in and pop out like uh, ghosts or, uh, you know, other things that people talk yeah. about in the paranormal realm. Yeah. But again, going back to what I said, that is that ET is so far advanced that they can control that and they're able to control their environment enough that they can interact, which obviously ghosts and other things can't do. Not to that extent, anyway. Okay, so uh, there's a question here from Charles. He wanted to know if you had your videos or photos analyzed by experts like Mark D'Antonio. Have yeah, you had anyone uh, look at these? Yep, yeah, I've had quite a few analyzed. Uh, Jason Gleaves. Yes, I know uh, who he is. Yep. Yeah, Jason, he's a lovely guy, and he's analyzed quite a few of mine. And again, uh, unexplained it, they were solid objects either reflecting the sun and in the case of that one generating its own light it, it wasn't you know which, mm. which which is interesting but again uh as, as another good guy about that we know paul sinclair it's the truth with no proof because you physically can't measure it you know and it's, it's very difficult. I mean, look at the ATIP report when they, they gave out the gimbal, go fast, and tic-tac UFOs. All three were recorded on radar on the carrier fleet underneath. They were all three were recorded on the infrared gun cameras, and all three were seen in the normal visible spectrum by the pilots, the trained observers. Yeah. Now, they, they've, they had 80, 80 reports like that where they've recorded in three different spectrum and you know what they said was they're not it's not in the national interest you know national security and that's why the others aren't being released but if they've got another 77 that they're not showing us how how good could some of those be you know right and you know i talk about the spectrum a lot you know we only see a very small part of what is going on around us, you know, as yep. far as what we can actually physically see with our eyes. And yep. uh, our eyes are just sending messages to our brains. And, you know, there's all kinds of weird things that can happen with how we create what we're seeing. It's really interesting yeah. and fascinating to me. Uh, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure. And I'm sorry we, to the listeners that we had a couple of static issues. I'm going to try to copy some of these images that are in the book that I've been talking about um, with uh, Paul, and I'll put those in the show notes. So check that out and uh, stay tuned. If everything goes well, and I do believe it's going to happen, I'll be uh, doing a road trip uh, off to Washington, D.C., and uh, we'll be uh, broadcasting from there next week. Thank you very much, Paul. Thank you, Martin. It's been a pleasure. All right. Take care. Yep. All right, everyone. So that is it for tonight's show. Again, thank you, and thanks for your patience with all the uh, technical issues. And remember to keep your eyes to the sky.